You're listening to a Corridor Business Journal podcast. This is Tom Selig. I'm a senior vice president of a bank. I used to be a lawyer. I like to make connections, and sometimes amazing things happen. That's what this podcast is about, when the magic happens. On today's episode, we're going to interview a former Herky the Hawk. We're going to welcome John Lohman. John is the publisher and owner of the Quarter Business Journal, who has an interesting personal story and business story. There were two gentlemen in that room, and they said, uh, today's your last day at the uh, at the company. Whoa. And I, I just was really kind of punched in the gut. I didn't have any idea that I was going to be terminated. So I thought to myself, after my period of self-loathing, um, how can I never get fired again? Right? And there's only one answer to that question, and that's to start your own business and be your own boss. So stick around. We'll be right back. This episode of Tom's New Best Friend is brought to you by West Bank a community bank since 1893, providing full-service banking and trust services to businesses and consumers, nationally recognized by Raymond James as a top-performing community bank, prioritizing community, responsive to local needs. West Bank, member FDIC. Well, good morning. Um, I'm excited today to have John Lohman as my guest, my, my new best friend known John for, for many years, and we're actually uh, doing this podcast from the world headquarters of the Corridor Business Journal. As most of you may know, John and his wife Aspen are the owners and publishers of the Corridor Business Journal, and I thought it might be good to have John tell his story. Um, he's a sort of ordinary guy who's been pretty successful. So, John, welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you, Tom. I am so excited to be Tom's best friend. <laughs> It's something I've been wanting for many, many years, and I'm wondering if there's an actual trophy that comes with this honor. No, and John, also, it only is good for about 24 hours. Okay. This does change often, so okay. I want you to really enjoy the day, or maybe the week. Maybe for your case, we'll do it for the week. Okay, great. Thank so you. So it's great to have your best friend. Well, let's start at the beginning. I guess, um, as I recall, you started in Alta, Iowa. Where is Alta, Iowa, and how big is it? Well, we call it Alta. Alta, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, that's no problem. It's uh, a town of about 1,800 people in northwest Iowa. It's about four miles from Storm Lake. And so it's, there's not an easy way to get to Alta from here. Uh, it's been about 1,800 people for probably, I think, the last 50 years, so it hasn't gone down. And it was a great place to grow up. We, uh, I lived on Main Street, about three blocks from the elementary school and four blocks from the high school. And, you know, it was like Mayberry growing up. Oh, that's great. And then you, um, you became a Hawkeye. So tell us about, you mentioned that was an adjustment coming from here. Well, Alta, town. there's not a lot of diversity up in northwest Iowa, particularly in, in, in Alta and at the time. And uh, I followed my older brother who went to the University of Iowa. Most of my classmates went to, went to Iowa State. There were probably 41 people in my graduating class, and uh, 20 of them went to Iowa State, and only two people went to Iowa. And so followed my older brother to the University of Iowa and grew, well, went through some culture shock the first couple weeks I can uh, imagine. and months in, mm-hmm. in Iowa City. And... 
But after I got over that culture shock, I really grew to love uh, the University of Iowa and Iowa City and all the diversity that is is there and here. And so um, I really socially became um, pretty successful in in that I was uh, elected student body president of the University of Iowa in the early 90s. I was also Herky the Hawk and um, really enjoyed my uh, experience at the University of Iowa. I met my wife, uh, Aspen, at a toga party uh, at the Delt House. And so, uh, you know, I, I bleed black and gold. That's a great story. You're the, I don't, you're the first Herky the Hawk person I've I think I've met here. Is so. that right? Okay. Congratulations. It's, a, it's, it's an elite club. Oh, yeah. No, that's 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 impressive. Well, then, okay, you graduated from Iowa. Then I think you said you went to Chicago? Yeah. You know, I worked in Chicago um, like a lot of people when they graduate from the University of Iowa. I think for some reason, you know, you go to Chicago for a, a couple summers, a couple years. And I worked in public relations in, in Chicago. I worked... Um, did a lot of stuff for the uh, the political machine of the city, uh, for Mayor Daley, uh, the, the Chicago Bears, O'Hare Airport. And so that was kind of a heady experience. But uh, most of the folks that I worked with in public relations had a formal degree in uh, journalism or a background in journalism. And I hadn't had that. I didn't have that. And so I decided to go back uh, to the University of Iowa and get a master's in journalism because I thought I wanted to continue in the public relations field. And so I went back, uh, and also my then-girlfriend Aspen, now wife, was still back in, in Iowa City in school, and so that was uh, another incentive for me to, uh, to go back. You go to Iowa, get your degree, and then... Um what happened next? Is that when you went to the Gazette? Yeah, I was hired. My first kind of real job in in the the media world outside of public relations, I was hired by the Gazette to help uh, market and launch the Iowa City Gazette edition of the Cedar Rapids Gazette. This was in the late 90s. And the Cedar Rapids Gazette was trying to get a, a more of a foothold in Johnson County. And so uh, they hired me to help uh, do that. And so I worked there a couple years, and then I think there was a, a little bit of a economic hiccup going on in the economy at the time. And I remember my boss, he calls me and he says, hey, I need to see you in the, in the conference room today at, at four o'clock. And I said, well, you know, I've got a meeting at today at four. And he goes, well, I need you to, to cancel that, and I need you to be in the conference room at four. And I said, well, Okay, so I went in there, and um, there were two gentlemen in that room, and they said, uh, "Today's your last day at the uh, at the company." Whoa! And I, I just was really kind of punched in the gut. I didn't have any idea that I was going to be terminated. I hadn't had any bad marks or reviews, and it really came out of out of nowhere. And you know, I, I really, after that, I went through a period of, of self-loathing because I'd never been fired before. And I, frankly, I was so young and naive, I'd never known anybody that ever been fired before. And so, you know, I go through this self-loathing and I found out later that they weren't going to do the Iowa City Gazette edition any, any longer. So they didn't, weren't going to need me. And if they would have told me that at the time, it would have made perfect sense and I wouldn't have <laughs> right. beat myself up, but they didn't say anything to me which I can, I can understand. But so I thought to myself after my period of self-loathing, um, how can I never get fired again? Right? 
And there's only one answer to that question, and that's to start your own business and be your own boss. And so I, um, that was my goal from then on to start my own business. But uh, I needed to find a job until I figured out what kind of business I was going to start because I didn't have really a, a clue of what kind of business I was going to start. And so I was fortunate enough to get a job at the Dwayne Arnold Energy Center in Palo as their communications manager. And some of you might know that it's Iowa's only nuclear power plant. And I was uh, actually interviewed on 9-11. And I was hired quickly after that. And if, if I can be stereotypical for a second, I was working with 500 engineers who don't know how to communicate. Mm-hmm. And so they really needed me to help them not only communicate internally with the 500 employees, but externally primarily because this was right after 9-11 and there was such an interest and concern about the nuke plan at the time. And so it was a, a great, great, great experience. Um, and there were really great people at the, at the nuke plant. Uh, I valued it very much, but I always wanted to start my own business, as I, as I mentioned. And so I, I worked there for a couple of years, and then I started the CBJ. Well, I heard that story once. You said that um, you had this idea. I don't know the background, but then you went to see, you talked to Aspen about should you try it or not, and she said go for it, which is to her credit, I think. I think my wives would have said, you're crazy. Right. So, well, you think about working for a utility, right? So that's typically one of the safest jobs you can get, yeah. right? And uh, my wife, Aspen, is a first grade teacher. And at the time, we had just gotten, just had our son, Quincy, uh, and we just, you know, bought a house. And my wife was, at that point, a half-time first grade teacher. So I went to her and I said, and I'd worked on the business plan for, for two years. So I really put a lot of effort in the business plan. And so... Uh, I go to Aspen. I go, I want to quit my very good paying job at the Dwayne Arnold Energy Center to start up a newspaper in our basement. And if it doesn't work out, we can always fall back on your halftime first grade teacher salary. Right. And inexplicably, she said, let's go for it. And so that was uh, about 16 and a half years ago. We just celebrated our 16th anniversary of the CBJ uh, just this month. And so... You know, I really put a lot of effort in that that uh, business plan. That was really key to uh, getting the business off the ground. And uh, the Small Business Development Center with Paul Heath was really helpful in uh, in providing some guidance for me and getting the business off the ground. But it was a very scary uh, time getting that business off the ground because, frankly, I didn't really know what the hell I was doing because uh, I've never started a business before. But it was... Uh, we put it together. We were able to get some money uh, from uh, one of the local banks, and um, it just kind of took off. And I think you told me that Bart Floyd was one of the people you talked to. was very supportive. Uh, he was at U.S. Bank, I think, and I would say back then. Yeah, it was actually, I think, maybe First National at the time. First I'm, National, not, I'm yeah. not exactly certain. But Bart, uh, it just so happens that Bart um, came back from Texas, and one of his best business, best clients was a business journal in, in Texas. And he read my business plan, and I recall him saying that it was the best business plan that he's ever read. And so he goes, we're going to fund this thing. And I think this was kind of the wild, wild west of lending before Sarbanes-Oxley and mm-hmm. all these other things that have happened. So I'm not sure it would be uh, bankable right now, but uh, he gave us some money, and uh, 
really helpful in getting us uh, off the ground. Now tell me why a business journal? What what I mean? Well, what's the background? Why do you choose this this type of business? Well, so when I worked at the nuke plant, mm-hmm. I we would do a lot of outreach. I would take plant officials around the state of Iowa, and we would meet with, uh, we would speak to elected officials, we would speak to editorial boards, uh, speak at rotary clubs and civic organizations. And, and when we were around the state, particularly when we were in Des Moines, I said, are we talking to all the right organizations and entities? And when we were there, somebody said, had you, had you talked to the folks at the Des Moines business record? And I'd never heard of the Des Moines business record up until that time. And we went over, briefed them uh, on the nuke plant. And then I started subscribing to the Des Moines business record because um, it sounded intriguing. And the Des Moines business record does a very nice job of keeping a pulse on the economic development activities in the greater Des Moines area. And I thought to myself, why isn't there something like that here in Cedar Rapids or Iowa City? And so my wife and I, we live in North Liberty. She teaches in Johnson County. I was working in Lynn County, and we were zipping up and down 380 on every day, shopping, uh, movies, whatever it may be. And this is when this corridor concept was coming together, and I thought, you know what? Why isn't there a business journal in Iowa City or Cedar Rapids? And so, you know, I started to do a lot of research, and I thought, in fact, I called Connie Weimer, the, the owner of the business record, and I said, Connie why isn't there a business journal like yours in Iowa City or Cedar Rapids? And she said, well, Cedar Rapids is really too small to sustain its own business-only publication. And I thought, I think she probably knows what she's talking about. But if you created a business journal and marketed it towards the entire corridor region, which was really starting to come together at the time, maybe we would have something that was sustainable. And so that was really the premise of the, the business. And, you know, I have a master's in journalism, um, I'd worked at a newspaper, and I'm a pretty good marketer. And so the, all those things and the opportunity uh, presented itself that uh, we thought we'd give it a shot. Well, good deal. One thing we might want to do is sort of, in case we have listeners who don't know about the CBJ, what do you do? What is the business model? It's not just a paper, right? You might tell, tell people what the core of business journal is. You're right. Well, when we launched, it was primarily just a weekly business journal. And, and the best way I can describe it is, is kind of a local weekly version of the Wall Street Journal. All, all we publish is local and regional business news stories. And it's uh, about a company coming to town or an expansion or a new business being started or uh, a new hire. So we really have a good pulse on what's going on in the ec- um, economic development activities in, in the entire Cedar Rapids and Iowa City Corridor. When we launched, we were just primarily a print publication, but we started to fully grasp the the business journal business model. And that business journal business model is to also do events and do custom publishing and do a daily email update. And so we've really been able to diversify our revenue outside of just advertising and subscriptions. And we're really well known, I think, for our events that we put on in the corridor. And obviously we got into podcasts too. So, you know, we, we asked you, Tom, to um, do this uh, podcast under the Corridor Business Journal brand. 
and um, just another growing area of, of media. And so back to our events for a second. Our, our events are, are really well known. They're very well done. We've got a great events team. Our biggest event is our economic forecast luncheon in January. We'll have you know almost uh, 650 people at that. And then we do a 40 under 40, women of influence, commercial real estate, fastest growing companies, coolest places. And so um, that event um, component of our business has really gotten big. And I think that's just going to continue to be the, be the way it is because people want to interact, people want to network, and people want to uh, engage in, in topics and, and, and understanding. And we've done a nice job of, uh, of leading in that area. Yeah, I think in the events, I think there's like at least two categories. One is recognition, which I really think is a great idea. Rec- recognizing people, or it's 40 or 40, or women, or you know, fast-growing companies. And then it's also informational events, economic forecast deal, the commercial real estate. I think you do a cybersecurity. So there's really, those. both of those are very helpful. And they're open to anybody. So if people are listening, if they want to subscribe or get involved, they they can, they can do it. It's, it's open to anybody, right? They just Absolutely. Just so, the paper, you know, attend the events. Right. We, uh, we have our daily email update, which is free, and so that's very informative, and I can't tell you how many people uh, tell me that they get it. I think we get almost 6,000 people get it three times a day, and so it's uh, very well read. And our events, th- these are all, they're open. Uh, they do cost money, typically. Uh, we had to pivot a little bit with the COVID but we're learning a new business model with regards to that. But, and subscribing to the Corridor Business Journal, uh, we have a digital version available for folks that um, like digital versions and want to re- uh, read it. We did have one international subscriber at one point down the road, so, or in, in the past, so that was kind of interesting. Um, so that's why uh, you know, I called our building here the, the CBJ World Headquarters. <laughs> well, it's, it's a true statement, right? right. And you also do a leadership academy now, right? You have a, it's a new thing? Yeah, thank you for commenting on that. Yeah, we have a leadership academy that we just started last year. We, uh, we work with Lon Olenzak, who uh, is a well-known uh, University of Iowa football player uh, from back in the day. And um, he's got a great expertise in, in leadership, and he uh, did it for Aegon for many years. And so we contracted with him, and we put together this curriculum that um, – I thought was going to be really helpful to my staff because I thought, how can I help my staff? And it turns out that what my staff needs is what a lot of other staff and and employees need across the corridor. So we really found a a great sweet spot with this Leadership Academy, and we offered it in the spring and fall, and we're offering it again coming up this fall. And we have have guest uh, celebrity CEOs that come in and, and talk about how they got to where they are. And it's a lot of the soft skills that aren't taught in college. You know, I was surprised at the number of MBAs and JDs that go through our leadership or have went through our mm-hmm. leadership academy and and you know, apparently they just don't get taught the uh, the soft skills uh, in in, uh, in graduate school. We have a, a pretty extensive uh, five class curriculum and we deal with um, change management, uh, emotional intelligence. Uh, diversity and inclusion, uh, coaching, and those are a few of the the core topics that we deal with. We also are fortunate to have Aaron Campman, who played football at Iowa and then the Green Bay Packers. Sure, he leads a session on um, 
It's called a line, and he really looks, what I say, he looks into your soul, <laughs> and he talks about what your priorities are, and then he helps you understand whether or not what you say is, is true. And uh, it's a really in-depth process, and people really love that. So those are some of the soft skills that uh, we uh, offer at the, at the Leadership Academy. We've got a great niche and a lot of the, the smaller businesses, medium-sized businesses that don't have their own leadership program or maybe can't afford to send somebody through the MBA program, this is a great uh, solution for them. And that's open to anyone. If someone listening wants to participate, you can you can sign up. Absolutely, yeah. There is a cost, of course, to sure. it. Uh, it's a, it's going to be, it's 10 weeks. It's five sessions over 10 weeks starting in uh, late September going through uh, through November. Well, great. Well, let's talk about the family a little bit. Uh, Aspen, as you mentioned, is a full-time teacher, and you might talk about her um, her classroom, the mix of students she has, and her background there. Yeah, Aspen, she's been in the school district, Iowa City School District, for I think 23 or 24 years. It's kind of amazing to think of that, that time frame, but she's she's an amazing teacher. Her sister's a teacher, her brother's a teacher, her, her brother-in-law's a teacher, her mother's a teacher, so it's kind of in her blood. But uh, she's in a in a unique school. It's uh, it's kind of in a lower socioeconomic area, and um, she had 23 students last year, and I think 11 of them were from a different country. And so it's a it's a great dynamic. It's a it's a it's an interesting um, and challenge for her, just because you know she's teaching these kids how to read. You know, first grade is really one of the most important grades uh, for students to you know, learn how to read, and uh, it was a interesting dynamic for her. She loves that school, and, uh, you know, adding a virtual component with the COVID is, is really challenging, but when I talk to her about it, she says, you know, this is what teachers do. We figure it out, and we, we do our best, and uh, the Iowa City School District's lucky to have her. And she's also involved with the paper too, right? And she well, she's ha- she's she's fifty percent owner, uh, yeah. and so she's obviously on the board, and and she's um, she lets me run the run the business, and um, so we talk about business not a lot because we've got other things to deal with, sure. including our our kids, and so my son Quincy, he'll be um, a senior at Liberty High School. And my daughter, Lucy, will be a freshman at Liberty. Oh, great. Well, briefly, tell us about your staff real quickly. A lot of key people here. I know we can't mention them all, but uh, they do lots of things for you. Well, my staff, I mean, they are the reason we've been successful over the past 16 years. And we've got an incredible team. Most of the, probably one of the most experienced newsrooms, media companies in maybe the state of Iowa. Our, our business reporter, David uh, DeWitt, is I think probably the most experienced business reporter in the state. Andrea Rhodes, who really runs the show around here, she's uh, an associate publisher. She ran the Press Citizen for many years, mm-hmm. particularly in its heyday. Uh, she's uh, a wealth of knowledge and she really keeps the trains running uh, on time around here. And we've got about 15 employees. Adam Moore is our editor. He's um, just uh, the, the content guru uh, around here and our events team and our sales folks. And we haven't had a lot of turnover in the over the last number of years. Uh, our staff is works, works amazing, and they've done a great job with the COVID, um, working from home. Everybody, but everybody's been working from home since essentially March. 
and really haven't missed a beat. So I'm really blessed to have such a great staff. You know, they're, they're great people. I can vouch for that. Well, let's talk about the, the region a little bit and the whole branding effort. As people, Some people know I was a, a believer of the Richard Florida theory. Richard wrote that book in the early 2000s called The Rise of the Creative Class, and it's been criticized some, but overall, I, I subscribed to his, his theory. His theory was regionalism is important. You can't grow an economy just in one town. It's got to be a region. He talked about the importance of diversity and technology and talent, which I think is, I think that's the key. We gotta, you got to bring talent in and, and work as a region. So you might talk about you know, your experience with, with the, yeah, well, the creative quarter back in the old days anyway. Well, so, uh, you know, we are a product, the Quarter Business Journal is a product of our region. And if, if we didn't have a regional economy, we wouldn't be alive and functioning today. And I think there's a lot of businesses in Cedar Rapids and Iowa City that are in existence because we have a regional economy. Um, and so I, I firmly believe it. It's, it's part of our DNA. It's something that I promote, and I think having a more highly effective region is going to be just beneficial to everybody within Kirkwood seven-county territory. And so I was um, asked to—Chuck Peters, the, the, the former um, head of the Gazette, um, is a friend of mine, uh, interestingly enough, and after the floods of 2008, he said, John, you know— our regionalism efforts kind of fell by the wayside during the, the floods of 2008, and you care about the, f- the region. Let's work together in kind of rekindling regionalism efforts. So he and I uh, went to Kirkwood and uh, talked to Mick Starcevich, who was the president of Kirkwood at the time, and said, we want to get uh, regionalism back on track. Would you be interested in helping us out? And he said, well, work with Dee Baird, who um, is one of his lieutenants at the time, and so Dee and Chuck and I really um, led the charge, if you will, to rekindle regionalism efforts. And one of the big initiatives we did at the time, since none of us are experts in regionalism, we put on an event and we brought an expert in by the name of Michael Langley. And Michael came in and spoke to about 300 business leaders about highly effective regions, what those highly effective regions look like. And it's along the lines of what Richard Florida was uh, talking about. And so we came in and he said, one of those five, uh, one of the five highly um, attributes of a highly effective region is uh, having a regional brand. And we, um, we decided to put together a task force after that. And uh, there was about nine of us on the task force um, and we decided to come up with a regional brand, and we we worked on it for 18 months. It was a it was a long process, and we came up with Iowa's Creative Corridor at the time. And we also during that process came up with a better definition geographically of what the corridor is. And we went through a mapping exercise, and ultimately decided that Kirkwood Seven County Territory really makes the most sense from a a regional uh, geographical area. And uh, so we're really proud of that. I was really proud of coming up with the Iowa's Creative Corridor brand. But I have to tell you that one of my failures is probably the implementation of the Iowa Creative Corridor brand. I think there we really dropped the ball. I dropped the ball on that. And so um, when... 
when the economic development organizations in the corridor were thinking about putting together a joint venture uh, in 2016 and 2017, uh, they they formalized um, an agreement to to do that, and they hired a, a lady who I think was originally from Iowa to to lead that. Her name is Jennifer Daly. And they came up with a, a new regional brand at the time called ICR Iowa. And, you know, frankly, I, I wasn't a big fan of it because I think Iowa's Creative Corridor really hit all the right spots. Uh, but, but, but who really has the authority to do anything with a regional brand in, in the area because there's no real regional governing body. And right. so, you know, the one thing... I'll still hang my hat on on the corridor concept is because if if you drive around the corridor, there are dozens of businesses that have the word corridor in it, and I really don't see a lot of them going with this ICR Iowa uh, brand. I've always liked the concept of the creative corridor because it it covered the arts, but it covered business. It, it, it's just it, it was a, yeah, it covered the idea of talent, yeah, the Florida theory. So. Well, whatever. Now, tell us some things about yourself and your hobbies. Uh, I guess you've become, over time, a, a walker and a runner and marathons and hiking the world. So give us a little background of that whole thing. Yeah, when I was about to turn 40, I wasn't feeling very good about myself uh, physically. And, you know, I'm leading an organization, a company, and a, a family, if you will. And I thought, well, I'm not really looking or feeling very well and so I saw these people running and running marathons and I thought well geez if if that person can do that I ought to be able to do that so I I basically went from a couch potato to a a marathon runner in in two years and I wanted to do that by the time I turned 40 and I ran the Chicago Marathon and I really got hooked on it and it running is such a, a an important part of my life now so I was supposed to run my 10th Chicago Marathon in October, but it obviously I canceled due to COVID. And so I'm a little disappointed about that. But I've ran 10 marathons so far. I, I really love it. It's such a great way to clear my brain and feel good about myself uh, physically and uh, keep my uh, waistline down a little bit. So uh, I love to run. And I also love to hike, and so I have a group of buddies that I hike with, and we've been fortunate to hike a lot of unique places around the world. We've been to Machu Picchu, we've been to Patagonia, we've been to Iceland, and we also do some domestic hikes as well, and we're planning a, a hike on the Superior National Trail coming up, uh, up up next month. Wow. Well, plus in this marathon thing, you run fast. I've seen some of your times. You know, simply would sort of run, but you're you're really running. So well, my first my first one was just to finish and to beat Oprah's time. <laughs> and okay. So uh, I think her time was five thirty, and I did four fifty five. And then the next year, I I got I took almost I've taken almost an hour off my my first time, and so I'm still not fast, but uh, I really enjoy it. And and she, running Chicago is a special. Uh, special race. It sounds fast to me. Well, let's talk a little about uh, where we're at, where we're going, uh, the future in the corridor. I know we've all faced some tough times with the virus. It's caused some problems, but uh, I don't know. I My instincts are that um, a lot of people have adjusted. Um, we're all doing not quite as well maybe as we were, but um, I, know I, I tend to be optimistic. What's, what's your view of the next six months or 12 months? 
Well, I'd like to look a little bit further than that, Tom. Uh, you know, I, I think our back to our economic development strategy, you know, it used to be let's recruit businesses to the area. And I think it's changed over the last 10 or 12 years to be some more, more supportive of entrepreneurs and helping entrepreneurs launch their business. I really think that's the key to economic development in, in the corridor and, frankly, across the state of Iowa. And so I think that really sets us up very well for long-term growth in the region. We've got some amazing businesses in the corridor that continue to hire and grow and build wealth for not only their owners, but their employees and the overall economy. And so I'm really bullish about uh, the future of the corridor. You know, uh, we are also very much a bellwether. The Corridor Business Journal is very much a bellwether of the regional economy. And so, you know, we had probably our most painful two months in 16 years in, in April and May of, of, of this year, which a lot of businesses had that pain as well. But we really got back to where we needed to be in June. So it's a little bit of the, the V curve for a little bit of whiplash. And I'm pretty optimistic about how the future looks, at least in the next uh, few months. I think it's going to be a little bit scary still. But, uh, you know, you think about the cities, the big cities. You think about Chicago and New York. It's, it's maybe losing a little bit of the luster. Uh, and I think areas like the corridor are really positioned very well to uh, grow because people have an opportunity to live in this area and experience almost everything except for oceans and, and mountains. Right. And we, it's, you know, it's a great place for schools and it's a great place to work and raise a family. And so I think the, the corridor is really positioned to uh, be successful uh, for many years to come. Yeah, I think, you know, there's lots of reasons to be optimistic. Our city managers across the corridor are just, and our mayors, they're just, they're great people, great leaders. They get along well. And we got the airport people, Marty and Pam, are, they're, they're the best, you know. You got Kirkwood up there with Lori. It's, I don't know, it's um, a lot of positive things, so. Yeah, and, you know, having the University of Iowa uh, in our backyard is obviously a huge plus for us, and and it's really one of the foundational places for the entire quarter. But you, you, you hit a, on a couple of them. Uh, Kirkwood is amazing. The airport is amazing. Uh, a lot of our financial institutions like yours are, are really uh, important to our economy. And so, um, you know, there's going to be a few hiccups and maybe a couple of the, the big boys like Collins and, and ACT might be struggling a little bit. But I think, uh, again, in the long term, we're going to be in pretty good shape. Okay, one more question, John. With the CBJ of 16 years, what have you really learned? Well, that's a great question, Tom. Um, you know, we have survived the Great Recession. We survived the Great Flood. We have survived the complete transformation of the media industry. And we are going to survive the COVID-19 pandemic. And I think... Frankly, if you survive any one of those, you deserve an award like being Tom Selick's best friend. Um, so it's really kind of amazing to be able to, to, to beat those four major challenges. You know, the media industry is, is going through changes every day and every week. And I think if you provide great content and treat people with respect, 
you treat your readers with respect and you treat your employees with respect, um, you're going to uh, hopefully have a good chance at at surviving all of these things. Um, So it's been quite a ride these last 16 years. Um, I wouldn't change it for the world. Um, And there's a lot of potential still with the growth of the corridor. As I said before, you know, uh, our regional success is our, the quarter business journal's success and vice versa. And so uh, I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. Well, good. We should wrap it up. I guess with uh, our listeners, um, I'm glad you were you joined us today. One thing I would encourage people to do is to go uh, search the Quarter Business Journal. You may want to subscribe or get the emails to learn more. It's really more than just business. So, it's really a, a great a great publication in business. So, thank you. Yeah, they can go to corridorbusiness.com and get all the information they need on our podcast and our events and and subscribing as well. So. Tom, it's been a pleasure being with you this morning and uh, being your best friend for a short time. And yep. I would like to see if we can get a plaque made. That would be well, really nice for my office. <laughs> well, we'll work on that, but you've got the whole week. You've been so good today. So you're my best friend for the week. Well, thank you, Tom. Okay, well, thanks a lot. Tom's new best friend is brought to you by West Bank. This Corridor Business Journal podcast is produced by Joe Coffey of Coffee Grande Studios. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter at CB Journal. Mm-hmm.